Oi! Good out. Well, I'm MC, and so I'm not on the panel. So, um, I love this job. This is great. So I'm the voice of the people. So at any point, if you want to throw in more stuff, because when you're not on the panel, you can give the panel a hard time. <laughs> so here's my first question, and we'll get to a proper question. Um, yeah, good. Yeah. Save yourself. Save yourself. What, why are you guys on the panel at all? Brendan asked us. Why you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I asked That's, That's very good. Why um, you asked them? Yeah, I, I think firstly because of what I keep saying is that I haven't really been through a lot of suffering. And I guess I, because the heart of tonight is really helping people to see a Christian perspective. How do we make sense of suffering? And how do we see God's purposes in it? I wanted some people that have been through some suffering to be able to share. Um, and I'm on the panel so you can ask me more questions of things that were unclear or follow up. Um, so what are your stories a little bit? Can you share a bit of your stories? Oh, you've got to be nice. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'll go first. Um, so those that know me, my name's Andrew. I um, I think I, I've lived with Brendan for, for a while. And the reason, reason we kind of got together and lived in the same house um, was because I was going through um, a marriage breakdown. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, I... I was once married for um, about eight years um, until my wife, uh, back then, um, uh, walked away from a relationship um, and I was under the counsel of, of you know, Dave, never pursuing her and, and so forth, but you know, as things turned out and walking through that journey of, of, um, of yeah, walking through a, a period of, of a broken relationship. Um, and um, at the time, you know, it was very difficult because, um, you know, it was, it was a long-term relationship. It was, you know, you, your job, your a lot of the hope that you, you kind of thought about, you know, over a short period of time was all kind of shaken and, and, and taken away. So, um, so that during that time was was for me was you know walking through a period of of, of um, you know distress and. And what it meant for me to to live as a Christian, walking through suffering, and it wasn't a journey about you know um, learn as I walked along, you know, um, and yeah, I hope to kind of share a bit more about you know what helped me through that period. But that was basically my my, my background, my story. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was nineteen, um, I got diagnosed with a severe um, chronic illness. Um, and so for the next six years, I was um, unable to do any work or study. Um, and it's fluctuated um, in degrees of severity um, where I was pretty much in bed most days or whether I was able to get out a bit. Um, I was able to go to church for some of it. Um, and, um, and I got married during that time and my husband has um, had some mental health issues for a lot of our marriage, um, which has been really difficult as well. Um, but yeah, God has graciously heal, been healing us, and um, I haven't had chronic fatigue now for over nine months, which is um, really exciting. <laughs> and yeah, just that God has brought so much healing to our marriage and um, our lives, and I'm now a fully healthy person. But um, yeah, it's been a really long journey. Yeah, that's great. All right, so it's a good time. Good. All right, we're ready to go. Alright, so what are practical ways people can be trusting God 
amidst suffering. Right. Who wants to have a go at it? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll expand at it. Um, practical ways, because um, yeah, as I walked through, I think I think um, there were there were two main things, um, um, or three main things that kind of really helped me through that period of of um, darkness. Um, and um, one was was basically re- reminded that you know God is sovereign. So you know at the time you know I. I was I've been a Christian for a good you know um, 16 you know a long time, um, but never walked through that type of, of a shock in, in, in terms of my, my Christian faith. Um, but one one thing that really kind of resounded in, in me was you know do I I always know that God is sovereign, but do I believe in that in the midst of suffering? Um, and one way was just basically reminding myself that you know God is sovereign despite what I'm walking through. Um, and so, you know, going to church, you know, reading the Bible, praying, all that helped reinforce. But, you know, are there, are there times you doubt? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, you, you doubt, but then being reminded and preaching to yourself, like, no, no, God is sovereign. And, you know, things like, you know, you see examples of people walking through the Bible with, with the same issues. Like, you know, Psalm 42 is a great psalm about suffering. The psalmist is, is going through a tough time, but... And you know he, he he's but he's still hopeful, hopeful that one day that he, he's going to be you know praising and 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 God and, and he'll be out of that situation. But at that time, the psalm ended with with no, you know he's still suffering because he he's, he keeps saying I will yet I will, I will one day praise God. So um, reminded that God is sovereign. Second thing is is um, just thinking and, and being reminded that I don't deserve uh, anything. I think that's basically preaching myself, the gospel to myself in the sense of Christ died for me. Um, often we think, you know, I, uh, I deserve a wife, I deserve this relationship, I deserve that. Um, but I think for me it's been reminded that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not, nothing, um, but yet God has given his son to me. Uh, and that was enough. So I think that idea of, of self-sufficient like you know God's sufficient um, and and he's showing himself he loved me that's all I need and and that attitude of you know I deserve better is is being eroded away by the gospel I think that's 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 one big thing um, and just and just being thankful and coming back to church and being reminded that hey we're called to be thankful to have joy in the midst of suffering um, and the only reason why I can, can can be thankful is of what God's done for me, because looking at your situation around you, it's basically mm. impossible to have joy in that situation. Um, but for me, it meant you know it was basically you know, Paul often talks about having a joy in enduring and suffering and having that joy in, um, in Colossians one, um, and that you know you, you, you can have that, you, you do have that um, as you walk through. Um, knowing that, that God loves despite the situation around you. So that you know, kind of ways I remind myself. In my head. I think as, as well, like that covers a lot of what Sorry, I was saying. No, um, yeah, it goes across a lot of different suffering, mm. the same kind of themes. Um, but just choosing to still view God as your father, I think, is a really helpful perspective to keep having. And I think. 
in suffering, I so often went to go to my feelings to see how I was feeling about God or how I was feeling about life and to try and understand what was happening. But I really believed in that I wanted to have objective truth in my life um, when so much else was so crazy just to keep going back to what was objectively true. And so I think um, the truth that God is my father is something that I have to keep telling myself is important for me to trust in. Um, and so that that shaped how I prayed to him. Um, and like Andrew was saying, in the, in the Psalms and in places in the Bible, people just cry out to God as their father, knowing that he is listening, that he is there, even if it doesn't feel like it. And so I think it's that kind of preaching to yourself um, how you choose to see God in the situation. Yeah. That's awesome. <coughs> Very, very good. Excellent. All right. Does God still send suffering to people? 2 Corinthians 12, 17, 10. Yeah, someone read that one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when the panel starts expanding a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. There's suffering right now. What sort of passage are we? <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Um, I guess the, the this is um, this passage is talking about a Christian person uh, who God, uh, the, the way it describes it, sends them a thorn in the flesh. So we don't know what that is, but some sort of suffering that this person goes through. And Paul sees that as God doing a work in his life, one to humble him, but secondly, the main thing that God's doing in that is to show him that his power is. It says to to show him that his power is made perfect in weakness to help him to see that everything that Paul is doing, it's God's work in him. That's not his own strength that does it. Um, so the, to answer the question, does God still send suffering to people? I guess the answer to that question is for people that are following Jesus, um, yes. Um, but um, the way the Bible describes that is loving discipline. It's as though it's a father with a child who wants to grow that child and 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 help that child, and so it's both suffering and an expression of his love. And I think um, I just wanted to say, like like talking about God sending people suffering, um, or talking about God judging the world. Like I think there's something that makes us feel really uncomfortable about that. Um, I think there's something else that goes, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I just want to say that when it comes to thinking about these issues, um, if at every instance we feel as though, yeah, this resonates with me, I agree with this. Um, if there really is a sovereign God who's creator of everything, who's infinitely wise and all-powerful, I think there's times when we should really disagree with him and there's times that we should really, in fact, even be infuriated with him Otherwise, I think you should rightly suspect that he's just a figment of your imagination. Um, if at every point you agree with God and you agree with the things that he does, I think, well, how is that just not what's most agreeable to me? But I think there should be points that he contradicts us and disagrees with us. But yeah, the answer to that question, I think, is 
Yeah, yes, but it's never um, for a Christian in his anger and wrath towards that person. It's an expression of his love for that person. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to think probably a better word is probably more God allows suffering. Because um, I guess walking through my situation, um, you know, yes, I believe God's sovereign. So if this thing happens. Um, do I believe that, you know, yes, God allowed it? And, and so walking through it, like, you know, looking back at it, you know, do I wish it happened? Definitely not. But at the same time, walking through it, um, the, the fruit of that was, was um, God drew me closer to him than, I, than he's ever, I've ever had before. So um, through that experience, you know, my faith in the Lord grew um, and knowing God in a, in a much, much more personal way um, that would not have otherwise happened but for that incident. So for me, it was, yeah, I lived in a broken, sinful world. We, I think Brenda started with that. You know, the world was perfect, but sin destroyed it. So therefore, we live in a broken world. We're there suffering. We can't run away from that. But as Christians, what we do have, though, is, is God walking with us through that suffering. Um, and there is hope. Um, so from that kind of framework, so therefore, you know, God therefore allows. He's sovereign and he's allowed this to happen. But it's okay, Andrew, because one day everything will be made right. Mm-hmm. But today we can walk with him through it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. How could a kind God inflict such an imaginable suffering on his creatures? And how could I ever love a God like that? Yeah, great question. Yeah, really good question. Um, I guess the heart of that question is justice. Is that is that right? Is that is that fair? Is that good? Um, and I guess the the way that um, the Bible looks at this issue is is to say that there's genuine evil in the world, there's genuine things that happen in the world that are wrong, that are horrendous, that are just worthy of... Like, there's something that should be done about it. Like, you know, I, I hear these stories of, you know, Islamic State, you know, crucifying people and killing, you know, innocent children and women and raping people and scripting children and I just think like that 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 is profoundly evil and someone should be held account for that and I guess um, the picture of scripture is that for a, a sovereign uh, God who's just and good um, that he uh, is not only um, sovereign and in control but that ultimately he will hold people to account for the wrong that they've done but that his holiness, that is his, um, his purity, his otherness, his justice, his uh, everything about him is so even far greater than ours that he can't even tolerate the smallest amount of evil, the smallest amount of evil being defined as rejection of him, um, inwardness, like selfishness, self-obsession. Like he can't stand it because because his nature is love and the nature of evil is just destruction and and hurt and, and God's very essence like it, it the, the way the, the Bible describes it it burns against it like 
It's like fire against it. Like he hates it so much. And so I guess the picture of, of the Bible is um, a God who is just, a God who is good, a God who is merciful, but a God that will ultimately hold people to account for wickedness. And um, the the message of that, I mean, when we talk about hell, we talk about um, what the Bible's description of that is. Yes, it's a place of suffering, but in essence, it's a place of eternal separation from God. Um, God cuts off people permanently from himself. And that, by definition, is the, the, the worst kind of suffering because God is the eternal source of all that is good. The Bible's description of hell and um, sending people to hell is not that he looks for people to send there, but in fact he pleads for people to come and turn back to him. But ultimately, people that refuse, he gives them exactly what they ask for, which is eternally without him, and which, according to scripture, is hell. So, uh, I mean, I, I think there's not a Christian in the world who doesn't wrestle with this and find this difficult. Like, I, again, I would say, you know, if at every point we agreed with, you know, if God just met all of our criteria, I think, you know, you should question whether or not it really is, a, you know, a higher being, you know, who's sovereign. I think um, God should challenge us rightly. Um, but, yeah, I think the, 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 the heart of that question is justice, and I would say, yes, God is just in returning punishment upon people who deserve it. Yeah. Um, the good news though, I guess, is that, you know, despite that justice, God's got a solution for the problem. So I think the heart of it is, you know, why does God send people to hell? If he's a loving God, why does he send people to hell? And I think Brendan has it very rightly in the justice element, which is, yeah, you know, because God's just, God's holy. Um, he can't tolerate sin, but he's got a solution. And that's where his love that's and right. his mercy comes in. That all who puts his faith in him and his saving work, hell is, is, is no longer there. Um, that separation from God is, is dealt with. And that the beauty is that you know, God is a kind God. God is a loving God. And he sent uh, a solution, being the gospel, that people who put their faith in him can escape the, the, the penalty of hell, which is scandalous because yeah. you know, why should we deserve that? We don't deserve it. Um, but in his loving kindness, he has offered that that hope to us. There is, there's no step so far that God was not willing to take it in order to rescue people, yeah, mm. to bring mm. them back, that he would send his own son you know, to die to make a way for people to be right with him. Mm. I guess that's the picture of what he's like, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. So if you have a last question, you can love a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can love a guy like that. Yeah. Because you're holding the justice with the love at mm. the same time, that he can be, he's found a way to be both, to mm. deal with the fact that he has to be just, but also in his love, um, mm. Mm. took that pain on himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah excellent. Yeah, we get, we're, we're foster parents as well. We have two little kids in foster care. And, and I went on to exactly what we knew about the supernatural love of God, but I think one thing that's happened to us in our family that's been helpful is we're away in a court case with the children to discern what's going to happen to them for three days. And for the first time, I think I've really appreciated justice. And I just hope that it's just. And I can love that in a judge, knowing that just do right. Do, do what's right. Yeah. Do it's good. And I wouldn't have experienced that before. But there's something just appropriate about yeah. the judge being truth and righteous and just there is something 
put some gear in the back. Because imagine if you had a foam jack. Many, many people have suffered the tragic loss of loved ones from cancer. It can be inexplicable and sudden for so many families, such as a father passing away and leaving behind his young family. What could a Christian say to someone who is grieving in such circumstance? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, care about you? <laughs> Anything we could do just to help you? Um, I guess like um, people, like we've often been criticised for um, being quick to kind of give kind of glib answers, like the classic um, Romans eight twenty eight. You know, um, well then you know God works for good, um, all things for those who love Him. You know, so what good is He working in this? And you know, glib sort of answers that dismiss the weight of it. I guess um, the the message of like the Bible is that like. Cancer is not a natural part of the world in terms of I think that rightly belongs there. Like it's it's terrible. Um, yeah, we've seen it in my family. You know, I think there's not a family here probably that hasn't been touched by cancer, and it's it's horrible. And I think um, as Christians, we want to approach someone who's in a tragic situation like this with just wanting to just love them. Like, how can I help to lessen this burden that you are going through you know how can I uh, be present and what are the things that you know um, could help and serve you I mean ultimately you know maybe down the track um, um, it's good to think about and explore how God um, might be growing us to be more like Jesus in the midst of our sufferings um, but I don't know I, my limited, limited experience is that just being present and a friend is the best thing um, yeah, it was. Pretty say, <laughs> yeah, I'm, absolutely. I moved in uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to move in in November. <laughs> no, no, one's, no one's around. But um, yeah, absolutely. I think walking with someone is one of the best support uh, you, you can have. And at a time, like, you know, you, like, the person going through suffering, you, but what the minds will, 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 will switch. One day you'll be like, it'll be like quite temperamental. One day you'll be good. Next day you'll be like quite bad or whatever. But having someone there and reminding you about you know, who God is and, and, and the truth about Him um, helps a lot. Um, and um, what can you say to someone? I guess is, is a question. So yeah, I think that, that God God cares, um, and and that I think we don't understand. I think we just kind of premise of where we're at. You know. Yeah, it's, it's it's not fair. It's not it's not it's not nice. Um, and just walk with them, but knowing that you know, God continues to care and, and and God's working through your you know, ministry to them as you walk through with them. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's hard because you feel like you don't want to say much, like what, like when yeah. you're actually in it. It's it's being there and it's listening and it's if they've got questions, just letting them have those questions and not jumping on the answer mm. straight away, mm. but even just letting them grieve through questioning um, and just wrestle with them through it. Um, and I think just validating that questioning or that pain, because um, it's all through the Bible as well, mm. you know, there's like Ecclesiastes and Job and that kind of 
I'm just suffering feeling where you don't, there's no cause and effect happening, it's just being chaotic from ground level and that's the experience yeah. that God shows us life in this world is right now mm. and so um, just validating I think how they feel in it um, can be the first step. Um, mm. Yeah, there was, when I, when I was um, going through the worst of it, I think I didn't even have the headspace. I was in survival mode. I didn't have the headspace to even really grapple with big questions. It's more been afterwards, like in the last few months really, that I've actually been able to question God, like why did you let that happen? Um, so there's, there's a place to kind of maybe talk through that, but it's often a really, really long way down the track. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you just want to be the person that they know they can say that the things they're thinking they they can say it out loud and you're not going to run and you're not going to freak out and you're not going to quickly get a bible and try and answer everything <laughs> but you're just yeah at every stage you'll just walk through it with them with a calm assurance in your heart that mm. it's okay and god has it but that can just be in your heart sometimes it doesn't have to be preaching it Assuming God is sovereign, and should have known the world he created would wither and fall into sin, why even bother creating it in the first place? Why create the world? Yeah, um, it's a great question. There's the idea of um, um, the problem of evil itself. Like, how can God allow evil to exist? And I guess it comes back to um, um, the question of, like, God's very nature, his essence. Um, and the most common way God's described as in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, is as a father. That's one of the big revelations of God's nature to us is that first and foremost to us he's a father. And that's the, the essence of why God creates things in the first place because he's a father. He loves to nurture and grow. He loves to have things to love and um, that's his very being is a father, fatherly love and how does that relate to the question? Well um, God created us and created the world and created it good and he longs to be in a relationship and longs to love people, the, the good things he's created but for that to be possible, for love to exist it had to be a possibility for God to have people to reject him and refuse him and and um, because if, if there was no possibility to reject God to turn our backs on him then it wouldn't really be love it would be a robotic response wouldn't it it would be you know um, love it just wouldn't exist the definition of love involves choice that, that we choose to, to, to treat someone with kindness and respect that we choose to give ourselves to someone else and, and so that's the nature of things that God has made it and um, and so I guess right from the beginning, um, yes, he, he did know that the world would fall into sin, even more scandalous than that. Yeah, he did see himself um, sending his very own son to die on our behalf despite our sin, you know, despite our rejection. Um, I guess the, the reason why he would do that, um, um, I mean, we're not told like uh, details of God's intricate thinking except that he loves the things that he's made like a father. And I guess for God, he's, he saw the, the glory of people coming to know and trust him, being reconciled to him as being worth the, all the pain, worth all the cost. 
um, in his wisdom because he's a father that loves and he wants people to come to know him and love him. So mm. I think that's, yeah. You guys got other thoughts on that? or? Yeah, no, I think um, the idea of like you said about free will and, and having that ability to choose God, all that he's, you know, that is, 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 is a, a reflection of, of, you know, him allowing us giving us that choice um, but at the same time I guess he moves in us um, yeah like, yeah yeah I think mean, yeah so in, 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 in one perspective I guess it's, it's yeah why do you even do that it's, it's beyond yeah. us but he's, he's done it in a, in a way of his, his love is so great that yeah. even though he knew that we were going to fall and he's going to send and, and he's going to send his son to us there's a passage in um, Romans 18, uh, 18 is not even 18 <laughs> chapters in Romans. Uh, I wrote it. <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 8, 18, and, um, and I guess part of this, part of the answer to it is that that things are not finished from God's perspective. Like um, God has mm. a, a glorious future. That's something I was talking about before. Plan for the world in terms of. Um, restoring it, bringing justice once and for all. Um, the, the, the Bible teaches about heaven is not that it's some place up in the stars, you know, on the clouds and things like that. It's actually a, restore, a restoration of all things. It's about redemption. It's about mm. um, taking back from slavery. It's about putting things right. It's about um, his creation, but um, the things he's made, but restored to how and even better than how he first made it. And this uh, verse, Paul is reflecting on that this guy's suffered so much, I mean, probably more than any of us, Paul, the things he's been through. But he says this in in Romans 8, 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, Paul looks at the things that he's going through in the world at that time, and he says, compared to what's coming, uh, it's not even comparable. The, the future, the glorious future that God has for us and for this world. Mm. So I guess that's probably part of mm. the answer to that question from the Bible's perspective is that why create the world? Well, it's not going to stay like this. You know, there's a future. Mm. Very good. Okay. If you asked to get sent to hell, you did. Could you still say that he is a good God? Um, hard question. Um, if you ask to get sent to hell, he did. Um, have you guys got thoughts on that one? I got a thought. You, you, the yeah. answer is yeah. Yeah, you could say it, but you'd be a little off. <coughs> because why would he do that? Oh, I found out he's telling the truth. Okay. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, like, the picture of, like, so the message of scripture is, yeah, God comes into the world in Jesus. He pays the penalty that we deserve on the cross. Um, he then ascends to His Father in heaven and promises to come back. And the picture of when He comes back is that. It talks about in Philippians 2 that every knee shall bow before him. And 
this idea of bowing a knee is, is that sense of going, oh yeah, you are the king and falling down on, on, on your feet before him, of suddenly seeing him for who he said he was and seeing that to be true and seeing his power and seeing his authority and falling down in response to that. Um, it's a picture of seeing things as they truly are and responding that to God. Mm. So I guess there, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like to be cut off from God, but um, I guess if you, the, the one thing I would say is if you see God rightly and Jesus rightly, um, you'll definitely fall on your knees to say, yes, you, you are the king. Mm. It depends on how you define a good, a good God. Because if, if good define us, is, is God morally just, you know, righteous, then yes, um, he's a good God. But if we, I think this, this, this question is more about a good God being, is he a God that's for me? Um, then, you know, then it's like, does he do good to I'm me? Please, I'm placing myself above God, and does God serve me? Um, and if that's kind of a, the definition, then probably not. <laughs> Yeah. Because because the premise of the question is that um, you know if I get to hell can I still call God good because He sent me to hell because hey that's not right I shouldn't be I shouldn't be in hell I should be yeah. in heaven that's that's a great point brother yeah. um, so so if we say oh yeah, you know if, if it's God morally right and, and just and He will treat sin seriously then yes He's a good God like, that way I think like we have like our, like we have such an Objection, I think, in our culture, to the idea of punishment. Like, I think it's just, it, like, it's just not the way we think really on any level. Almost, we we talk about rehabilitation rather than punishment these days. I think, um, but the message of punishment. I mean, we we just react against. It. It's like, how could God punish people? Like, it just seems so wrong. But think about it from the perspective of God being created. If God is creator. Um, if God is like one of the ways it's described in the Bible is like a potter spinning clay if that's who God really is everything we see he made and formed and belongs to him then before a God like that we're just like like a mug and I don't like talking about that way because it devalues people because I think God people are precious to God but before God, where, where something he's made. I mean, think about something that you've made before. Like, I mean, what what do you owe to the thing that you've made? Say you made, you know, a, a bike to give... I mean, what what responsibility do you have to the thing that made... I mean, you, you owe that thing, you, you've made nothing. Absolutely nothing. You made it, you own it. It belongs to you. I mean... Uh, we have an objection to, to God punishing people, but the message of Scripture is that God is the creator of everything that is. And if you if you say, okay, you know, I assent to that, that God really created me and owns everything, that he is a sovereign creator, that every breath that we have is sustained by him, he owes us absolutely nothing. And so how could he be good and destroy the thing he's made? Well, he made it. I mean... It belongs to him. He can do with us whatever he pleases and still be good. Um, he doesn't owe us anything. Um, but the message of Scripture is that not only did he make us, but he made us to be in a relationship with him and we spat in his face. 
I mean, imagine like a mug you've made spitting. I mean, I don't even know how that would happen, <laughs> but like it's spitting in your face. Like I would get that mug and I would, you know, I would, I would just get, I would just throw it in the bin. Like, you, you know what I mean? That, that we would do that to God. And yet God becomes like it, one of the things he's made to then suffer. I mean, it's scandal, isn't it? I mean, yeah. how can we accuse God of being unloving and unkind if he would lower himself to be a thing that he's made in order to win us back? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy almost. Yeah. You know? um, it's crazy love. I think, I think one of the reasons I got told, which I found really helpful there along that line, what you're saying, is as um, people, because we all do it, we, we like to think that, that, that I am the centre of the universe, and that everything revolves around me, and that this preacher was talking about how that, that God's at the centre of the universe, and we all revolve around him. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything. It's like, oh, okay. Um, so thank God he's giving me breath and everything else. And then these other animals are screaming it back at him. How dare you do that? How do you? Well, well hang on. You're not the centre of the universe. Just we like to think we are. Like that everything revolves around mm-hmm. us. It just changes the graphic mm-hmm. of, of what we're going through. Great. All right. What are useful practical things that people can do, uh, can be doing for those who are suffering? I think that's similar to what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Can you seriously believe God will allow the death of 250,000 innocent people in the Boxing Day tsunami? Yeah. I think the problem with the word is innocent. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've wrestled with this. I mean, uh, you know, like you get to know those people, and there's, you know. They're just like you and me. Want the same things. They want what's good for their kids. They, they, you know. Um, they, they want to live good lives. They want to become, you know. They want to have a place to live in. They want to, they want the best for their family. I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's a really tough question. But I think the thing that that we have to understand when when it comes to the world is that we're not innocent. None of us are. You know, we we live we live for ourselves. And I mean, is that a satisfactory answer to the question? I mean, part of me still feels like, oh, but there's so much suffering that you know, happens in the world. And the Boxing Day tsunami isn't the only one. I mean, there's heaps more than that, you know. Um, um, but I, I think the, the message of Scripture is, you know, I mean, there's an example. I mean, Jesus talks about it in Luke chapter 13. Um, some religious people come to Jesus and there's been this example where one of the rulers has killed um, these Galileans and he's mixed their blood with their sacrifice and they come to Jesus and they say why were these people killed? Was it because they were more sinful? Because they were more wicked? And Jesus says no, I'll tell you the truth when the Tower of Salem, another example these people weren't more wicked when the Tower of Salem killed and, and killed a whole bunch of people this, this water tower fell over and killed these people they weren't more sinful either it wasn't because of that and his answer is unless you repent you likewise will perish 
Jesus says in that moment, he's teaching that moment, is, you know what, the, this thing that's that's happened to you, it's it's not because those people were more than less. It is, what's the reason why it wasn't me killed in that tsunami? There's no reason. Mm. But but in moments like this, I'm, I need to... I need to wake up to the facts and ask the question of myself, Jesus is saying, where do I stand with God? There's no reason why I shouldn't be killed the next moment. I'm equally deserving before a righteous and just God, but, but where do I stand with Him? And, and, and have I done business with Him? Um, I was going to say, yeah, I share the sentiment of the question, like, yeah. like as you do. Um, but, but I'd say that yeah, sin sin sucks, and it's sin that creates all this brokenness and suffering. And we know that God didn't create the world like that. You know, God created all; it was perfect, it was good. Um, but sin um, corrupts the world, and we see, you know, through the history and through the Bible that it's a spiraling effect of of, of corruption and sin and death and injustice. Um, and and so yeah, like sin, sin sucks. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, we live in a, in a sinful world, in a broken world. Um, but fortunately, we don't end there. We we have, we have that reconciliation that that God has set a solution to to this problem of sin that we can now have that opportunity to come into a relationship with Him. So, um, so I definitely share the sentiment of 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 that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sucks to live in a simple world, but we've got hope. Yeah. It, and it definitely reminds me that, like, without Jesus, like, evil wins. Like, stuff like this, that's, that's all there is. But because of Jesus, there is a way that God is found to end suffering, as you were saying, Brendan, without ending us as well. Yeah. And so that there is hope that this isn't all there is, this crappy world that we live in, mm-hmm. um, that we... Yeah, that there is a way to um, that God has shown He will deal with it, and is what gives us mm. the grace to keep going. When yeah, we, like we still have these questions. These these types of questions are going to be with us the whole time we're on this earth. Like mm. I think the alternative of of no Jesus is so much worse. Mm-hmm. But because Jesus came, this isn't the end. Yeah. Mm. Why are Christians called the Revelation of the Yeah, I got a few. I got a few thoughts. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think the idea of a just. Well, no, actually, first thing I think um, the first thing I understand is um, the Bible is not a bunch of standalone verses, um, like as as in it's a you know instruction manual on how to live my life. You know, in terms of like, you know, uh, I could pick up any 
you know, verse and read it and go, okay, well, this directly applies to my situation right now. Like, that's not how... It, the Bible is a story from beginning to end, and it's a story of redemption. That is, it's a story of people rejecting God at the very beginning and God's coming after them, wanting to woo them and reconcile them and bring them back to himself. That's the message of the Bible. Um, and so we need to understand passages like this in light of that. Um, um, the, the story of the Bible is also a story of a merciful God, a God that's very slow to, to anger and, and longs to extend mercy to people. You know, in Genesis um, uh, chapter 8, it's Abraham, um, sorry, 13, it's Abraham and uh, Abraham is um, before God with Sodom and Gomorrah and um, God's saying to the city of Sodom that he's going to destroy it and um, and Abraham says to God, he says, oh God, like what if there's 50 people in the city that are good, righteous people? Will you still destroy it? And God says, yeah, surely not. No, I won't. He says, oh, okay, God, you know, what if there's, and he keeps like, like haggling. And he's like, what if there's 40? And God's like, no, I won't. And he's like, what if there's 30? And he's like, no, I won't. He's like, oh God, you know, like who might I say this? You know, what if there's, you know, what if there's 10? And God says, even for 10, surely I, I, I will not destroy this city. Um, so this is a picture of this incredible mercy that God has, that he would be willing to spare this m- massive, rebellious, wicked city, even for 10 people that that would turn back and trust in him. And in the end, it turns out that there's no one, not even one. Um, and, and Abraham says to God, you know, will not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? Um, so I think we have a picture of a merciful and and um, patient and kind God, and so I think we need to read passages like this one in, in light of that. Um, God is just and God is good. Um, I think the other thing to, to see, you know, is if that still is something that you can't come to terms with as you read the history books, which are not necessarily all about. Um, there's a lot of things that people do in the histories that are not like looked on with pleasure by God that are just wickedness. Um, mm-hmm. um, the picture of Israel, God's people, is that they constantly turn their back on God and don't listen to Him. They're stiff-necked, like they just like like a horse that you know won't turn in the right direction. Um, but I think the main question when we look at the Bible to ask ourselves what is God like is the cross. And that's where we need to major. We really want to know what God is like in His nature. We need to look at the cross of Jesus and 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 what God was willing to do for us um, to reconcile us. Um, yeah, so that's why I'd say, you guys, you got. Yeah, no, I think it's a great answer. <laughs> I think I think yeah, judges is, is, is a climax of, of I guess um, of of sin like in in God's people, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's a context of like judges in the whole book of the Bible that that people and and sin is just it's just Everywhere, and and um, and that's a context. I guess we've got to read read the you know, the action of of, of people and God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like how you said, Brendan, about um, seeing God as a whole, like through the whole of the Bible. And I think when you do see what God shows Himself to be like throughout history, then the overarching theme is that he is a God that's worth getting to know and yep. there's parts of him that, you know, I don't understand or, yeah, as you said before, I wouldn't do it that way or whatever, but the the incredible love and mercy that he over and over again shows his people was something that stuck out to me when I was going through stuff that someone, a friend 
um, said to me, like, just keep getting to know him, like, just keep reading, keep being open to knowing who this God is and not letting your brain or your suffering or things you're going through change who he is or what you think of him, but just keep going back to the Bible and keep being willing to know him because you'll keep finding that he is a God that is worth getting to know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Even, even when you don't understand yeah, why. Yeah, you don't yeah. understand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think trusting in God's wisdom can be hard, but... Um, yeah, definitely. We know enough to know that he's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I cling to. That's great. Mm. Well, it's hard of Job, isn't it? Job at the end. Job is a character in the Bible. Went through a great suffering. And at the end, he asked why God. God never answered him. Mm. But simply to just trust, trust him, which is what Rachel is saying. Mm. And I think that's, that's a lifelong process, even as, as Christians, to just keep trusting God, know who he is. And, and put our trust in Him, because um, mm. we'll never have all the answers to everything. Mm. I had a really good analogy, but I know it's getting late, so I don't know. We might have time. Oh, I'll be wondering now for the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 it's like it's the one analogy that I think has helped me the most, um, like throughout struggling with why God lets stuff happen and why He's ordained things in my life that I can't see the purpose for yet is um, it's from the book Knowing God by J.R. Packer and he talks about how we want God's wisdom, we want in on God's wisdom in the sense that we want to, you know, like a massive train station, like central train station. We want to be able to like go up into the signal, the train signal box and see that big screen where it's got all the trains everywhere they're coming from and we'll be able to see like that train had to stop there because of that train and this train is like had a delay so that's affected that and that's affected that. But it's um, J.R. Packer was saying in the Bible the picture of God's wisdom we're shown isn't like that where it's more like learning to drive a car and so when you're driving a car, your questions aren't, oh, why is that truck stopped there? Or why is it raining today? Or why is there a curve in the road? It's how can I best travel today like to the best of my ability? And so that those questions of um, how, and this is what I've seen in, in my suffering as well, God has better equipped me to live in this world. And so it's um, not... It's being content not knowing the massively big picture of what God's doing in every single situation, but knowing that he will give me what I need to be able to travel on the road he's set for me. And so to keep my eyes on, on what he's been teaching me in my life um, and trusting him with the massive big picture that makes him God and me not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. That's <laughs> J.I. Packer, not me. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Well, thank. I think that's fair. We're like we've gone uh, over time now, so we'll, we'll let you go. But um, if you do really have questions, like things that you think, oh, I'm not, we're not sure about that. Like, we'd love to talk to you more. Like, I hope you feel like we're not gonna, like, we're, we're coming here as fellow journeymen, like, uh, with you, like, on a path of getting to know God. Like, we um, we have a heart to really want to help and serve. And so you can um, email me. Um, I can give you my email or contact details. Getting contact, uh, contact touch with us. We'd love to talk to you more. We are doing uh, our next one, which is about the Bible and can the Bible be trusted. Um, that's on June 21st, so it's not for um, 
a uh, couple of months yet, but you, we'd love to see you back here um, again to be enjoying us with that. And also, um, if you want to find out more about Jesus, um, we also have an Introducing Jesus course, which runs for four weeks, which is just about getting to know Jesus of the Bible. If you've got more questions, 